0: You turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 26. After Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, just before Jeremiah, Book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 26. And our text for this evening comes in verses 3 and 4. It's one that's much loved. Contains a prayer of God's people to Him. Very great and precious promise contained in this verse. Let's uh, read Isaiah 26, verse 3. God's Word says, "...the steadfast of mind..." you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. The steadfast of mind you will keep in, there are two sets of two in these verses, perfect peace, 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 is how it is in the original, because he trusts in you, Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, Yahweh, we have an everlasting rock. God is an everlasting rock. God will guard you in his peace when you fix your mind on him. We've even heard testimony tonight to that effect, that God is keeping that promise. He does keep this promise, and it's a precious one for us. Let's pray together. Father, we've we've sung about peace tonight. We've really, in different ways, testified about it. And when we see peace in our lives, contrary to what our circumstances would uh, seem to dictate to us, in a certain way, it is peace that passes expectation. We read about your word, we read in your word about peace that uh, passes understanding and No doubt many of us here have experienced that uh, as we have felt your nearness and fellowship with you and trusted in you. Lord, it doesn't have to be this way, but you have made it this way that when your people depend on you and lean their minds on you, you do give them your perfect peace. And we're grateful for that. Help us tonight. Encourage our hearts by your word. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. These verses show us what it looks like to trust God how God responds when we trust him, and then an exhortation we have to trust God today and forever. And one reason God is worthy of this trust. So what does it look like to trust God? Verse 3, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace. A steadfastness of mind. How does God respond to that? He will keep that person in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Here's an exhortation, trust in the Lord forever. Why wouldn't you? And the reason, for in God the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. There is an indication here, an acknowledgement here, isn't there, that life doesn't tend to go this way. Life in this world does not lend itself towards perfect peace, really towards perfect, it seems, chaos, perfect unsettledness, perfect turbulence in many times. There are many trials in our lives, many difficulties, many many things that would cause us fear or unsettle us, things that fill us with doubt, things that we just aren't certain about. We can't know the future. But in the Lord, God the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. We can trust in him. We should trust in him. And we'll see tonight how God responds to those who trust him in these verses we see that and then why we should set our hope and our expectation in God alone. It's this reason God promises his perfect peace to those who depend solely on him. Before we get into it, we should ask ourselves, what is God's peace? What is perfect peace? You know the word for peace, the Hebrew word is shalom. The words here is are shalom, shalom. What is God's shalom? It's an intensified language here, peace, and peace, as someone has said, not peace and fear, not peace mixed with anxiety, but pure peace, full peace, abiding peace. What is it? In the Old Testament, this word describes often being without things that are negative and being with things that we count positive. Being at peace describes in different places in the Bible, being without trouble, being without conflict, being without Uh, being molested by enemies in various ways, being without fear, being without worry of need. Positively, it describes having rest and ease, having provision, having assurance of God's favor, having what you request, having satisfaction from God, being unaffected, having success, being whole, having health. This is completeness, soundness, welfare. This isn't just I want world peace, right? in some kind of superficial, limited way that's never going to last. This is God's peace to your whole being. And I want us to see in the time that we have five things tonight, the only person first, the only person who can have God's peace is a growing Christian. The only person who can have God's peace is a growing Christian if God is responding to those who trust him. God is promising his perfect peace to those who lean wholly on him. I believe these verses, really there's a limitation here. And you see it in the first words, the steadfast of mind, you will keep in perfect peace. This is the kind of person who can have perfect peace. I would say the only kind of person who can have God's perfect peace. I think you could describe it in terms of, a growing Christian. Why do I say it that way? Well, because steadfastness of mind isn't some natural disposition. This isn't something you can be born with. It's not describing some great quality of mind. Having a steadfast mind isn't just some natural innate gift or ability that some people are born with and some people aren't. And if it's not in your genes, you're out of luck. No, it's not like that. Maybe you know people who have the kind of personality that some nothing really seems to phase them. They're just, we have this word, unflappable, right? A steady eddy. And they just go like this and, oh, that happened. Okay. Your cat just died, okay? Maybe I shouldn't use that as an example. People, people have this kind of personality, right? That might be a personality trait we admire, but that is not a steadfast mind. You don't have a have to have a particular personality to have perfect peace. Steadfastness of mind is actually a disposition of faith. And that's the reason I say it's a Christian, but not just a Christian, a growing Christian, because there's indication here, if you look back in verse 1 of chapter 26, that not all people necessarily have this. In that day, Isaiah 26.1 says, This song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up walls and ramparts for security. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the one that remains faithful. And then our verses, our text for this evening. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace. This might not be all Christians. And why does that happen? We'll see as we go along. Why it might not be all Christians who automatically get this, although we do have some peace in our hearts, certainly peace with God, and we can have peace about that. But I believe this phrase, the steadfast of mind, describes people who are acting in a mature way, not an immature way. Not just having the faith as someone described it, the faith of reliance, the faith of depending on God for salvation, but the faith of assurance. I was helped in a Puritan, William Bridge was his name, making that distinction. Of course, if you're a Christian, you you believe and you rely on Christ alone for your salvation. But you may not have full settledness and assurance of all of the situations you're facing in life. Steadfastness of mind here. Someone with a steadfast mind is someone with an attitude and an outlook of expectation, of hope in God, waiting on God, looking and and, and expecting a good outcome from God uh, about things that you cannot yet see. You may know the King James Version translation of this verse, you will keep him in perfect me- peace whose mind is stayed on thee or supported on thee. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, this word is translated as laying your hand on the sacrifice or leaning against something, even being sustained. Samson, it said, when he's had his eyes gouged out and he's being mocked in front of the Philistines and he's in the great house, he braces himself against the pillars of the house and he cries out to the Lord for strength one final time and he kills many of God's enemies by tearing down that house. But that's that word, he's bracing himself. Where God speaks about, Do not lean on untrustworthy Egypt. They're like a reed that will go up into your hand. Have you ever gotten a splinter that big? That hurts. Don't lean on this untrustworthy source of help. It's the same word. The person with a steadfast mind is the person whose mind is leaning on God. It's fixed on God. In in a relationship, it's actually a decided and settled trust in God and nothing else unwavering dedication to God. This would, of course, stand in contrast to self-confidence, wouldn't it? That we think we have some ability in and of ourselves to get ourselves out or to save ourselves, to rescue ourselves, to always be able to find another solution. I believe a New Testament equivalent here would be the idea of being single-minded versus. Being double-minded. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, not double-minded, kind of wanting God's help. And God, I really need your help, but I kind of really want to hang on to this too. And you're just one option of a few. No, it's single-minded dedication to have God and nothing else. And why does this take faith? Well, because we can't see God. You can log on and you can see a bank account, can't you? You can see a skill that you have. You can can sense these things and rely on these things. But you can't see God with your eyes. You have to lean on him by faith. We were talking yesterday after men's Bible study how David committed himself completely to the protection of God against Saul. And of course, David fled from Saul. David gathered intel to, to flee from Saul. He hid, he ran, but he didn't depend on Joab, who said, let me kill him. He didn't depend on his own battle skill to get him out. He depended on the Lord. It's an exercise of faith to have a steadfast mind, to lean on the Lord completely. Trust in the Lord with half of your heart and lean partially on your own understanding. Is that what it says? No. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not at all on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. If you're not exercising faith in the problems of life, you won't experience God's perfect peace. But I want to bring this near to us, because even the most simple Christian, you don't have to be Have the most powerful intellect to have a steadfast mind. You just have to have faith. Faith, Jesus said, the size of a mustard seed. Don't have great faith, just have faith. Look to the Lord. It might feel, doesn't it, that if you obey the Lord in this situation, that it will leave you vulnerable. You go back into a a hard situation. You say a hard truth. You expose some wrongdoing at work. might realize you have to question some loved one's behavior. Whatever it is, those things are hard. They they leave you exposed, and there's danger and fear, and these things, this sorrow, it can dominate our thinking. But God calls us to lean on Him in our thinking, not to stand on your own, not to flit from thing to thing, that this will help me, this will help me know it's God, and I have to have him. The only person who can have God's peace, I'm saying, based on this verse, is a growing Christian. If you have a mind fixed solely on God for his help alone, you will have God's peace, God says. But it's not as though God is coerced into this or that he owes it to us, you see that God is the actor here, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace. You don't really keep yourself in God's peace. God is keeping you there. Your responsibility is to trust him. You can't achieve this on your own by breathing techniques or pretty pictures on your background of Zen scenes, right? That's not what we're talking about. There's a recognition in this verse that God keeps you in his peace. This is a precious promise that God says, I will keep your mind in a state of peace when it stayed on me. It's remarkable, isn't it? As we talk about peace, as we think about this rest and provision and uh, lack of fear, that God gives peace not from our situations, Yet, but in the situations of life. And there is a time that we look forward to when there is eternal rest, right? And there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. But God gives this to us in times when we would and should be fearful. Things that objectively are fearful, dreadful, dangerous situations. God can give us this peace through those. Even though he doesn't take us from them. God doesn't necessarily change your circumstances to give you peace. He changes your thoughts to give you peace. And as you're trusting in Him, and as you continue to trust in Him, and as you exercise your faith, even if at first weekly, yet each day you do it, God will give you greater and greater peace in Him. And the word here, you will keep in perfect peace is actually the word guard, word translated elsewhere as guard. God is like this watchman on the city walls, looking out, responsible for the security of the city, guarding, keeping. We even use this word to the keep, right? He's keeping you there. He's watching out. And this is something you can count on as true because... God never slumbers or sleeps. This is when the city falls is when the watchman falls asleep on the watch, but God never will. So it's not right for us to doubt the Lord and the sufficiency of his peace. When you commit to lean on God in your thoughts about whatever you face, God has committed to keep your thoughts on him through whatever you face. again it is often that it fills our vision when we're when we're disturbed or frantic or weary or worn out we just think only about what's in front of us only what we can see only what we what is bigger than us and really we might not be making a mountain out of a molehill we might really have a mountain in front of us and it's just so big but really It's almost a paradigm shift here. It's that our eyes get torn from those things and set on the God who is bigger than them. When we're steadfast of mind, when we're exercising our faith to think on our great God, God becomes bigger than our problems. God seems to us then to be stronger than the difficulty we feel. We realize he is wiser than the than the randomness we perceive in our life. We become convinced that he's kinder than the coldness we might sense in our situations. This is how God responds to those who set their mind and their heart to have his help and his help alone. And it really is because of his grace. And I draw attention to that because we could... Maybe get a wrong idea here by the end of the verse. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Again, I want to emphasize this being kept in perfect peace isn't the product of our work. It's really a reward, you could say, but it's a reward for humility and how God responds to our faith. God is gracious to us, isn't he? Even as he promises rewards and you see pictures in the future, like in the book of Revelation, people being given white garments that says, are the righteous deeds of the saints. You say, well, I thought all my righteousness was as filthy rags. Yes, it was. But you're being given a righteousness that isn't your own so that you can live righteously for God. And God is crediting that to you, not as righteousness, but for reward. God is gracious to give reward, to respond by His promises, to keep His promises. This is how God responds to the simplest expressions of faith in Him. It's like a father who's teaching his child the first thing at dinner. Mom, can I have applesauce? Mom, can I have my bread? Mom, can I have this? Now, what should you ask? Everybody, do you need anything? And we try this and we teach this. And then one day we pray, everybody says, amen. And the first words out of his mouth are, mom, do you need anything? Yes, 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 it worked. You're delighted as a father when, you, when your child does what you've instructed him to do. God is delighted when we express even simple faith to say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Will you help me? I need you. This is what trusting God looks like, having a steadfast mind. And again, this isn't, it is, of course, when you have no money, when you have no resources, when you have no other recourse. But it's not just then, it's, it's maybe in some cases easier to trust the Lord when you have nothing else to do. In certain senses, it's hard to trust the Lord when you do have other things to look to. When you have money in your bank account. When you have somebody you can call. When you have a place that you can go. When you have another chance. When you're at the end of the rope and the only place you can look is up. Sometimes God brings us there. But perhaps we need reminded that it's even when we still have human resources. When you lean on God and you're thinking, it allows God's word To be more credible to you than your feelings. To consider God's word as more authoritative in your life than any other voice. There's an author I remember reading, challenging this idea about meditation. He was encouraging, urging Christians to meditate, and he's setting out a particular method. And he was kind of tackling this challenge of people who say, well, I'm not any good at meditating. I can't do that. I'm not smart enough and he asked the question well you do do you worry do you ever worry about anything he said yeah you do and that means you're good at meditating what do we do when we worry we say we say oh well what if this happens and we're thinking about all the possibilities of things that could happen all the all the alternatives all the contingencies all the things that could happen things that could and we just worry and we never talk to the lord about them that's that's meditating meditating and fixing your mind on god maybe thinks about the same problem, but in a different way, and it brings God to bear on these things. You're exploring possibilities and alternatives and solutions, trusting God with your troubles, bringing God to bear on these things in a way that honors him. God, I don't understand, but you do. God, I can't solve this, but you can. God, I can't control this, but I know you are using it right now for good. God, I want to respond in this way, but I know that wouldn't honor you. Please help me obey you. When God is your source of help and refuge, that is trusting him, and that honors God. So what does it look like to trust God and have his peace? Leaning on him in your thinking. The the mind stayed on you. You will keep in perfect peace, all of God's grace, because he is trusting in you. That's what's going on when your mind is stayed on God. So, what should we do? What should we do when we have this promise from the Lord? The only way to know God's peace is to trust God today. Trust in the Lord forever. Trust in the Lord for the troubles in your life. As people here are singing and praising God with an assurance of God's peace when they trust Him. The only thing that makes sense is to trust God. Why wouldn't you when you have such a guarantee? Trust God and keep trusting Him. That's the sense. Don't stop trusting God. Start today and don't stop. But that doesn't mean you have to do it all at once, right? Trust the Lord forever. Well, I can't do it forever. I feel so weak. Well, of course you are. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own problems. You can't trust God forever today, can you? You can only trust God today, today. God will give you grace tomorrow, and you have to seek him for that. But God will give you grace for today. So ask him for help to trust him today and then do it tomorrow and then the next day. Fretting is opposed to trusting, someone said. So trust God with your troubles, trust in the Lord with your problems and worries and uncertainties. There are things, aren't there, that you feel you can't do anything about, you can't change. Casting all your cares on him for He cares for you. So trust in the Lord today, but it says trust in Him forever. You could also say not just with your troubles, trust in the Lord for the security of your soul. Trust in the Lord with the part of you that is forever. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? You have to trust God to keep your soul forever. I am convinced that he is able to keep what I have entrusted to him until that day, Paul says. Are you at peace with God? Paul says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. This is what we mean by saving faith. Believe in Jesus to save you from sin, to rescue you from God's wrath, Because he paid for your sin by dying in your place on the cross. If you do trust in Jesus, who is Yahweh, for salvation. Jesus says that to his sheep he gives eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I believe we can see Jesus, even in this text, in verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord, Yah Yahweh. Some actually see a reference to the Messiah here. But the only hope you have for God's peace is God's eternal faithfulness. The only way to know God's peace is to trust Him today, but the only hope you have for it is that God is eternally faithful. In God the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. The reason to trust God is because of who he is and what he's like. This actually could be translated rock of ages, the everlasting rock. You know the hymn. Rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side, which flowed. This is a prayer to Jesus. Be of sin, the double cure. Your blood is for sin, the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and its power. And here's this expression of trusting only in the Lord. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked I come to thee for dress. Helpless I look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. This is exclusive trust in the Lord. The reason to trust God is because of who he is and what he's like. This rock of ages that we have in God, he's not going to get worn down by the waves. He's not going to crack under pressure. This is a rock that could withstand a rocket across the border, couldn't it? He is a rock of shelter, protection, provision. He won't go anywhere. He won't change. God is a tower, a bulwark. He is the high ground in the battle. He's a shelter, the rock of dependable firmness, as someone said. This is what he's like. So trust in God because of how he's revealed himself, but trust Jesus because he is God. Paul writes to the Corinthians that it was from one spiritual rock that the people of Israel drank. And that rock following them in the wilderness was Christ. The Messiah is Yahweh. He, Jesus, is an everlasting rock. And in him we should trust forever. He said to his disciples, do not let your heart be troubled in the upper room. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. He says to John at the beginning of Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I died and am alive forevermore. He is eternal. Another text by John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. It's actually in our hymn book. He writes this, what think ye of Christ? That question in the hymn, what think ye of Christ is the test to try both your state and your scheme? You cannot be right in the rest until you think rightly of him. As Jesus appears in your view as he is beloved or not, so God is disposed to you and mercy or wrath is your lot. What do you think of Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? Are you disposed towards him to love him and to claim him as your only eternal security for your soul or not? Based on that question, that is how God is disposed towards you. If you've taken Christ, if you trust in Christ, if you've turned from your sin, God has a disposition of mercy towards you. But if you have rejected Christ and you are not trusting in the rock of ages, you face only God's wrath. He says in another verse, the last verse of that hymn, If asked what of Jesus I think, though still my best thoughts are but poor, I'll say he's my meat and my drink, my life and my strength and my store, my husband, my trust and my friend. My Savior from sin and death's gall. My hope from beginning to end. My portion, my Lord, and my all. The surest, really the most important piece to have is to have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. If you don't know him, You're not trusting in the Lord. You're trusting in something else. Because Jesus is the Lord. But if you do know him, you can trust him. And you can trust him forever. He will keep you forever. There is settledness that God holds all. And everything that he does is good and perfect and kind. Do you want that kind of peace and settledness? I know I want that. How do you get it? You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, for he is trusting in you. Fix your mind on the Lord today to have him and to have nothing else. Trust in him forever. He's an everlasting rock. He's the rock of ages. I just want to close with a part of a prayer recorded in a book called The Valley of Vision. The person who wrote this and prayed praised this says, I have cast my anchor in the port of peace, knowing that present and future are in nail-pierced hands. Thou art so good wise just holy that no mistake is possible to thee I yield to thy sovereignty all that I am and have do thou with me as thou wilt hast as thou wilt thou hast given me silence in my heart in place of murmurings and complaints take away my sighs and fill my mouth with songs and when I am restored and rest in thee Give me summer weather in my heart. Help me to rest in you. Help me not to murmur under your hand. Help me to cast my anchor in the port of peace. Jesus is a shelter in the time of storm, isn't he? Trust in the Lord forever. For in God the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are strong to save and strong to keep and you will never fail your people. You will always keep your promises even as we hear on the lips of your people singing and rejoicing, testifying from their experience that you do keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on you. We cry out In response to this encouragement, Lord, we need your help to trust in you forever. We need your help to trust in you today. Help us to trust you. Help us to think your thoughts after you, Lord. Even this week, help us to read your words so we know what you've said and how we can bring it back to you and what you've committed yourself to. Thank you that you're a sure refuge. Lord, if there's any here who doesn't know Christ, pray that they would call on him today for salvation. We love you, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray it in Christ's name, amen.